Each week on Emergency, you will hear discussions from EMTs, paramedics, physicians, respiratory therapists, nurses, and other healthcare professionals who are experienced providers in emergency medical care. These guests discuss their personal experiences in the world of emergency, as well as what it takes to provide care in some of the most stressful environments possible. There will also be honest conversations with people who have received emergency medical care, and they will bravely share their experiences as a patient who may have needed an emergency intervention. Expect funny, educational, and insightful conversations, which will illuminate the humanistic side of an often misrepresented profession. The Emergency Podcast is hosted by me, Samantha Barella, owner of Emerge Education Solutions, and I'm also a currently licensed paramedic. I want to give you a heads up that um, our episode today may contain some profanity language as well as some uh, gross descriptions about human anatomy and injuries and illnesses. So listener discretion is advised. Let's jump into our episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Emerge NC podcast. You are joining me today, your host, Samantha. And today's episode is going to be fucking awesome. I am so <laughs> pumped for today's episode. We have a studio full of guests today. I have Shannon Van Meer here with me. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Daisy Graves. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Good to see you. And Faith Applewhite. Hey. How's it going? Hey, girl. I'm so excited you guys are here. Okay. So today we're going to have one big, huge discussion about our experiences being females in the fire service. And I've invited you ladies here today because I know I personally have done some struggling with being a female in the fire service. And while I think that my struggles are probably individualistic to me, I don't think that I'm the only female that has struggles or maybe even similar struggles. But I do think there is a uniqueness about us being females in the fire service. So I want to hear from you guys your experiences with this in addition to mine. So uh, let's good. let's do some intros here. Uh, Daisy, I'm going to talk about you first. Hey, so Sam. Hi. <laughs> Daisy's been with us before. You did an amazing job on that death notification episode. Thank you. Uh, it was so much fun recording these. It's really a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, actually, some of the feedback that I've gotten is that people are finding the topics to be very real, but also very... Um, enlightening, educational, informative awesome. are the first words that come to my mind from the feedback that I've gotten. I would hope so. so. I would imagine that you're, that's your goal. It was a dark topic that we did. Yeah. But I think the way that you talked about it and the way we kind of reviewed it was really helpful. I even had some of my students listening to it uh -huh. because we talked about we were in um, geriatrics and special populations and they were like, oh, we listened to your death notification and it really helped us. And Really? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So That's really awesome. Is, I think it's helping. Okay. So tell us, Daisy, um, a little bit of your background for those that may not have listened to that episode. You've been in the fire service how long? For 13 years. And uh, I've been an EMT for, uh, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe 20 and uh, and I've only been with my one combination uh, rural department, mm -hmm. and I 
do love it so. The department. The department. The job. And the job. I love to hear that. I do. I, I really, really, really do. And uh, I've been with it, you know, go a while now. But it really is funny how quickly the time has gone. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm two-thirds of the way through my career. And where did that time go? But you're still having fun with it. Heck, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Shannon. Hi. 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 <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Okay, Shannon, uh, you have been in the fire service how long? For 11 years. Okay. And you started out in the same department as me and Daisy yes. and grew your roots there. <laughs> yeah. I worked there for about um, almost seven years, like six and a half. And then I moved to a much bigger urban department and I've been there for a little over four. I want to hear like, I'm super excited to hear your experience of doing rural as well as urban. Yeah, it's and very different. Yeah, like yeah. apples to oranges. You know, when I did my internship, I did it with uh, the department that Faith is going to talk about, <laughs> that she's with. Um, and there's always a lot of comparison between the two departments. But I, it, for me, after doing my internship, it felt like comparing apples and oranges to each other. So, so different. I don't know if you feel like that, Faith. But uh, I wonder. Yeah. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I know. I feel like, you, yeah, like I started at the county too. I know. When you say, "Oh, Daisy and Shannon and I all started at the same place." <laughs> you were our first girl on girl crew. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we had our first girl on girl crew That's there. That's right. That was so fun. Yeah. Like my favorite part of that fire that we worked <laughs> was just lining up all of the boys and spraying them down. That was at the end. Yeah. That when was they the were best part. Yeah, there was, was a sad part at the beginning. I mean, not really sad, but a part. Do you, uh, do you remember that? I don't know. I remember just doing interior and they were doing exterior and underneath the mobile home, but I don't remember the interior well what i remember is that we were writ originally and the other lady who was with us the other female firefighter she was on air the whole time and you and i had been off air and further away and she didn't know that she had been on air the whole time so we get sent in and her pass alarm starts going like tick 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 ding 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 like right as we're you know we'd been in for like five minutes and we asked the operations person in my in my memory is like hey can she just go out and refill her and he's like no all three of you need to get out we were like we're just starting i know like why can we just get rid of her do we do we truly even need her exactly i was like we still have two come on she didn't even care about firefighting now I'm kind of on that boat myself. So. <laughs> I know that was a bummer. Now I do actually remember it. Now that you're saying that, but it was, yeah. It was but like, then we got to hose off all the firefighters. Yeah, that was that was really fun. At least I thought it was fun. <laughs> it was worth it. Worth getting kicked out. <laughs> okay, Shannon. Um, did we do you just? How long have you been a paramedic? I've been a paramedic for a little over four and a half years. Okay, going on five, I think. Yeah. Okay. And you did that with the previous department yes. you were in, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Faith. Um, all right. Tell intro. Let's see. So I, I don't have a clear start date like these ladies have. I started volunteering when I, um, about, uh, I guess 21 years ago and got, let's see, first I got my EMT license. Uh, 18 years ago when I was 16. And I was going to say that there's some significance there, girl. Let's just, <laughs> not, let's yeah. not just like pass it by. Let's <laughs> really do you some justice and be yeah. like. I was a kid. It's it's crazy looking back on it. it was, You're the youngest ever in the state, aren't you? I don't know. I, I think mean, you are. 
Yeah, I think that the rule has changed back to 18. Mm-hmm. So what we we um, in my time there, we changed it to 17. And then I tested when I was 16 and I did not falsify anything. I didn't. I included my little drive, like my photo ID. And I did not check the box that said I was 18. But I just wanted to see if anybody would notice. And nobody did. So I got, got my <laughs> license when I was 16. <laughs> After spending so many, so long years getting it changed <laughs> to 17, I was like, I could have just forged it three years ago. But <laughs> oh, well. Oh, my, oh, oh, well. my God. So, and then I was terrified to tell anyone that story for like 10 years because I was like, they're going to invalidate my license. <laughs> it was so long ago at this point. I'm yeah, like, we're over the statute. Totally. Yeah, and right. that's not your fault. That's their fault. Anyway. Well, I could have not taken the test. But. <laughs> okay, so you've been, like your whole adult life pretty much, you've been yeah. in some part of the fire mm-hmm. service in EMS. Yeah, I felt like this magnetic pull to it. And I can't really explain why. Um, so I started when I was, I'm not even high, sure if it was high school, 14, and then um, volunteered and then took a year off between high school and college and did it, did it worked EMS full-time, Bernalillo, Española, uh, Valencia County, and then the hospital, and then went back to school or went to school in Washington State and worked part-time at Española, and that's when I started working PRN, um, at the, at the other department <laughs> with you ladies. And uh, so PRN is a weird type of program that doesn't exist anymore, most places, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a part-time firefighter with no benefits. It's a little bit anti-labor. I now know, but um, so I worked there, just shifts when I was home, and then uh, straight out of school in Washington State, came back, went to paramedic school. And... Um, let's see, tested for the academy at my other department or the other department. And I think the departments are similar size. Do you ladies know? Like the, So I work now in the city department to which the county department was affiliated and or whatever, not affiliated. But um, I think the department, like we have about 160 field staff. In your department right yeah. now? Yeah. Um, we're, no, 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 like 100. Okay. And so we're You guys are up. only on? No, I thought you were more than like 100. 100. Yeah, really? I'm gonna say like when I was there, it was like 70. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I thought it was like 140. You got the safer grant and got bigger, but not by yeah. that much. Huh. Yeah. So and, and how we've many always been trailing behind. Do you have around like urban 700? Okay, so that's I mean, in the scope of things, I was thinking like if we're representing right, different yeah. size departments here, ours are so much. Weak. It's it's not akin to like different friends who different went to different sized high schools, right? <laughs> okay, we had the friend that went to like the high school with a thousand people. And then the small, much smaller ones. <laughs> yeah. So there is. And, yeah. Plus, you're also, um, to add into that dynamic, it's also the population, right? So, Shannon, the department that you work in, the population of the area you're serving is way bigger much, yeah. than the populations that you, Faith and Daisy, are serving, too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, like, parallel with the populations. They're just different. Yeah. Department. To- I would imagine it's a totally different experience, but I'm excited to hear about it. I know. Yeah. T- okay. T- tell. Oh, did we do you justice? I think. Yeah, we we're okay. good. Cool, cool. Um, well, hold on. You've been in the fire service for 20 something years. How long have you been a paramedic? Oh, 11, maybe. Were you, you were the year before I went. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So it's 11. Yeah. Because I was 10. I'm 10 now. My, my golden 10. Is it golden? Yeah. <laughs> You guys would bring me presents. <laughs> I should have gotten presents. I should have made that a pre-qualifier. Okay. Shannon, let's talk about your experience. 
yeah. with being in the two different departments. And Daisy and Faith, just chime in like with your experiences with what you know and how it compares to Shannon's. Um, okay, so what what's the same between the two? Like the shifts, the attitudes, the perspectives, the protocols, the hospital location, like what's similar between the two departments? I mean, we're all doing the same job, right? I just think that there's certain aspects, like when you work in an urban area, you're so much closer to the hospital. And um, in the system that I work, it's a two-tier system. So we have a private ambulance company that is in charge of the transports. And so we'll first respond um, so that we can provide you know, ALS care quickly. So we get there, we start providing care, and then the private ambulance company comes and they'll do the transport, unless it's a, a critical call where we'll just load them up and take them. Um, or if the ambulance company doesn't have uh, a unit available, then we'll sometimes take them too. So then we're not waiting around for a unit to become available. Um, but in the other, in a much more kind of rural setting, mm -hmm. you don't have anyone else. You're, you're, it's just you and your partner. Um, and the other thing too is that in a much bigger department, we respond with an engine, we respond with the rescue, we respond with a ladder. You know, so depending on the call, you can have a lot of people on scene. And that was a big adjustment for me because I was used to doing stuff with like maybe you had one person in the back with you mm -hmm. if you were lucky. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it was like your partner was driving and it was just you back there. And you had a 45-minute plus transport mm -hmm. with a critical patient. And, um, you know, it's I mean, it's just different. It's not – that's just the system that we work in now. It's not any better or worse. It's just different. Right. Um, and so that was something that I definitely had to adjust to as like, wow. Well, working my very first code, I was like, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> and it was weird. I was like, I don't, I'm like, there's just so many, just so many bodies and everyone's very well trained. Everyone has a job, so it works. But uh, it just was a, it was something that I had to adjust to for sure. Going um, from multitasking to your role. Yeah. Like, that's it. You're, you're on airway. You're just doing compressions right. or, you know, whatever that's all you're going to get to do. That's all you're going to get to that. do. Yeah. Right. Right. So the, all of those trucks that you're saying are responding to the calls in the urban department you're working for now, those are all like, that's the assignment. If you're on the ladder, you're on the ladder the whole 48 and that's your one role. It's not like the previous department where you were right. moving your gear from the med to the engine because now you had a structure fire, but the other med's gonna go as the med because they were up for or the Or like everyone splits up, you take the tanker, yeah, yeah, you take yeah. the engine, <laughs> you take the brush truck, you take the med unit and we'll all meet there. Yeah. <laughs> Hope we don't get lost. I yeah, like to, I like to call it. We get to do everything. Yeah, no, yes. it's true. <laughs> I well, actually, we we have the same. We have a kind of assignments that are almost that almost always last the whole tour. But I miss the scrappiness of the county. <laughs> I do. Scra I th scrappiness <laughs> is one of my like most respected traits. I respect scrappiness just in general in all different types of things. But mm -hmm. yeah, I remember feeling more like um, versatile. Personal. Or whatever. Yeah. For sure. Did you feel, and <clears throat> this question is for both you, Faith and Shannon, do you feel like you were like kind of jack of all trades, master of none? Or did you feel like you could, like you really were proficient at every one of those roles, uh, tanker shuttle and, and, and uh, drafting, as well as running an engine and a pump and, I doing first you, in lines. You had that. to be really resourceful. You had to you had to know every aspect of the job. I think that um, the department 
has since hired more people that are in charge of training. So I can't really speak about what's happening now, but I felt like in the past it was very up to the individual crew. If you had a, you know, an officer who really put emphasis on training, then you kind of got more of it. But if you didn't, that was sort of like, sometimes you wouldn't. I mean, I remember the very first time I ever drove a ladder, I hadn't gotten any training and they're all like, cool, take this like million dollar truck like around the block. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't on an actual fire. So yeah, let me yeah, like yeah, yeah. preface that. No, no. But like at this other department, like you have to do, you have to, to do all, so many things in order to be able to, you know, drive there or mm-hmm. to operate a ladder. Like you have to go to a two week school and then you have to a task book and then you have to test out. And it's just like, it's not like here's the keys. E school like, is no joke. Huh? No, it's not. <laughs> or, yeah, or, I guess we. Got. Yeah, but it's. I definitely felt like it was. You just sort of and you learned on the job. I think there was a lot more like on the job kind of training totally. as as opposed to, you know, in a in a different department where they literally have the resources. They have an entire training academy up there and people that that's all they do is you know they put on these classes and you sign up for them and you get to take them and do all that but yeah so I definitely I wouldn't I, it's just different again not better or worse sure. just very very different well I like the idea of getting a two-week class on this million dollar truck right that I'm yeah supposed for to, sure like, and then I have to like do a task but like right really become proficient at all of the colorful buttons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does this lever do yeah. <laughs> what happens if i press this yeah <laughs> um so i like the idea of of having that and and i think that's the the previous department you were for has really made a lot of strides for sure, to really yeah. get there there's always work and improvement that can be done but i think they are doing a really good job at trying to be better at that and I don't think that that was anything that's not knocking that other department. No, it's totally. just that you do what you can with what you mm-hmm. have. And I feel like mm-hmm. they've made, since I left, a lot of strides in kind of getting the people there that are just in charge of training and that, you know, you take people out of service to go do training or, you know, you have more standards. Sure. And I more mean, people. Well, and it's also, it's still, it's actually a, a pretty young department. Like if you think about it, the, um, you know, time that they've had paid people is not that very, very not that long department. and when you work for a department that's been around for literally like 100 plus years you're going to have those standardizations right. you're going to have those SOGs you're going to have that structure's already right, set that's already up. built it's, right. so it's you know it's just different yeah so 80 years from now right. that's where your department's going to be Daisy yes. <laughs> yes but we can only hope that we preserve some of the good quality features of our culture and um you know, some of our relationships that we have, because as the department grows, I think you can lose uh, some of like the the personable aspects. Absolutely. And that makes it really uh, a little bit more female friendly, if that's what we're discussing all today. But like, you know, um, when you know your people, like everybody knows everybody, they, it comes with a certain layer of respect and humanity, humanity, and for sure, that's yeah. a good one. Um, and so I think you lose that when you have hundreds of people in the same department who are very specialized in their roles. Yes. It's excellent for carrying out, you know, a, a, a task, a complex task of, you know, structure fire mitigation, but very. Um, you lose some of the other stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Shannon and I were just talking about that. Well, yeah. before you, you ladies got here, we were talking about that. And yeah. 
Um, Shannon, I'm going to let you talk about this and then Faith, I want to see what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah. um, but let's talk about what we said. Like yeah. you, you said exactly that, exactly I, what Daisy just said. I'm, I, cause Sam asked me if I was happy that I had switched. I wanted to know the same question. And I, well, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I am, I'm very, I am happy. I'm very happy. I, I work for an amazing department with amazing people and I love my job just and like you. Because we're sad and <laughs> we miss you. But I do miss how, like the people that I hang out with still are all people that I used to work with at County. Like I, and it's not like I wouldn't hang out with the guys or people that I went or work with now. I just don't. I just don't. It's just a different culture. Like I used to get relieved and I'd sit around at shift change and we'd sit around for like an hour and we'd drink coffee and we'd talk and I knew everyone's spouse. I knew everyone's kids. I knew everyone in our entire department. And I can't say that now. I know the people on my shift um, and I, you know, I know a few other people like people from my academy and stuff like that, but it's not, it's not the same. It's mm -hmm. not the same relationship. And, you know, maybe it's because of the size, maybe it's just because of the culture. I'm not really sure, but I definitely miss, I miss that, that family mm -hmm. aspect because it really was, I mean, it, it was a family. I still consider them because I moved here from a different state and I didn't have anybody. And I was fortunate to at least work for a department where I was like, well, you know, I moved away from my family, but this is my family now. Yeah. yeah. And you moved for the job, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. For for that specific job in that department. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the family thing is interesting, too. But I want, Faith, I want your thoughts on going from, because we talked a little bit, too, about the comparison between your department, Daisy, and Faith's department. And they're more similar in size than yours, Certainly, Shannon. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, like, on the family aspect, Faith, going from a a rural department to more of an urban. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have to echo what Shannon said. And especially um, when I started at the county and when I started volunteering at the county, it was like there were people, one person on at different regions, oh. eight to five. And it wasn't um, a fully staffed 24-hour thing. And so it definitely, and there were like, I think there were 21 field staff members at that point. So it was totally different, right? And and they had all come, or most of them had come from private ambulance companies and, or a, a specific private ambulance company. And so it was super interesting, um, and everybody knew everybody, period. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that in my department now, there's quite a bit of, I mean, it's it's a similar size to the department that, um, that you're with, Daisy. So I would say there's still quite a bit of that kind of everyone knows everyone. But as, as it grows and as maybe I age, there are... With academies with grad. each new year you're <laughs> yeah. like oh who are those who whippersnappers <laughs> oh exactly i don't, I I don't can't even, even recognize keep, and they're you new. <laughs> i can't keep them straight I, you guys all look the same yeah. stop wearing the same thing <laughs> is it twin day yeah it's uh so there are you know every every time an academy is released it's like whoa new people that i barely know <laughs> But it's so interesting to hear you. I mean, I hadn't really framed it in that way, Daisy, but I've been super nerding out. Actually, our department's starting to try and kind of talk about diversity and look into diversity and um, figure out whether whether it's an issue that, that they want to address or not. And so I've been nerding out on reading a lot of stuff about mm. it, listening to a lot of stuff about it. And kind of like the big take home message that I've gotten is that um, any sort of stigmatized group or any sort of minority group, humanizing that group is the best way to reduce any stigma, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting to think about that in terms of um, in the in the other department where everybody knows each other. 
there might be. Like, it's just, it's harder to dislike someone that you know as a human, right? Or it's a little bit easier to be like, oh, I don't like that type of person. <laughs> or even if it's subconscious or unconscious, right? To to maybe allow that thought to exist. But once you know somebody as a human, you're not going to dislike them, most likely. And you give them a pass, too. You know, like if I know, like Shannon, you were saying that you knew everybody and their family and their kids, right? So if you know that your particular partner for the day is, you know, maybe going through a divorce or going through something really challenging at home and they might not be in the best of moods or have the best attitude. Like, I feel like we tend to take more of a supportive understanding role if we know that versus that person just being an asshole today, Mm -hmm. right? right? Because we do know each other. So I feel like we cut each other some slack because we actually get to know one another, which you don't have... There, there's just no way to do it in your department, Shannon. There's yeah. no. 700 of you. And, yeah, no and I, I work a lot of trades, and I've floated around a lot on, when I was on probation. And so I feel like I know, like, more – because there's some people, like, from my class that literally just got stationed one place and, like, never moved, you know? Um, and I felt like I, I – because I work a bunch of trades, I know people on different shifts. And, um, you know, even just within my own shift, I know a lot of people – but it's not the same. And I don't even, I mean, and even then, like the people on my shift or on my, um, at my station, like I said, I mean, I really get along. They're all great guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, do, it's not, it's just, it, I think it's a cultural thing. I just think that for them, it's much more of, um, you know, it's, it's a professional job and they treat each other with respect and it's very, but I mean, some guys hang out after, you know, but for the most part, it's not like it was in the smaller department. Like. Right. And I think a function of like making the smaller department work when we are in those multitasking roles is when you know each other, when you know the you know, the four people on your crew, yeah. uh, you get to to know their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You get to respect their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and they respect and yours. And so you kind of uh, fill in the gaps for mm-hmm. each other. So it's not mm-hmm. just giving someone a pass, you know, if they're having a bad day. It's understanding, you know, well, my partner is a badass when it comes to EMS. And I know that my partner is a badass when it comes to, you know, engineering and driving. And that's the person I want to drive me to the moon in an emergency if I need it, you know, and you just, you fill in each other's gaps and lift each other up. Yeah. And that's a really important function that we have that makes, you know, the multitasking bit, the when we're spread a little thin, it makes it work. Yeah. Because we know each other so well and respect each other so well. Yeah. And also makes it safer to speak up. I can think of some people that I've worked with where I felt like this particular task or event was causing me to reach my own personal threshold, I guess. Like, like using a K-12 on the side of a Adobe building to open it up. Well, let's be real. I, I struggled with that. Okay. So, but I was comfortable with the partner that I had that day who was Utimio. Hi, Utimio. Shout out to you. Uh, who was Utimio. And he, instead of like. He, he grew up cutting <laughs> holes in Adobe. <laughs> with and K-12s? He, yes, literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so good at it that he was like, Sam, I'm going to show you. And he like held it. And he's like, put your hands here. And he showed me. Like we both did it together and I Instead got like just the muscle taking practice. taking the tool from you too. Yeah. But we had, yeah. because I know him and I've worked with him and we have what you guys are all talking about, you know, this this camaraderie together because we know each other. He didn't shame me or be like, oh, Sam's a chick. She can't do it. You know, because I'm a chick, 
I couldn't do it. He never once addressed like that. He actually like showed me, but I felt comfortable enough to even be that open with him to tell him or having to deliver a baby. You know, I was with Daniel Meyer. Hello, Daniel, little lamb. I miss you. Um, but I was with him and delivering a baby. And I'm like, you've delivered your two kids. You're coming with me. Let's do this. But even being able to feel, I guess, safe enough to, to be, uh, to admit you're at your limit mm-hmm. comes with that camaraderie mm-hmm. and knowing your crew. Yeah, you have to feel safe to, to be vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be vulnerable to really be effective, probably. Mm-hmm. I think, I feel like all these words, all the men out there are like, Oh, they're getting all touchy-feely. They're getting girly. all Brene Brown on us. <laughs> I can totally hear them all saying that right now. <laughs> well, it's like you say, you say, oh, I, I'm so lucky that I didn't feel ashamed to ask you, Timio, for help with the K-12. And it's like, well, I don't think a guy would be like, oh, it was so nice that Samantha didn't make me feel ashamed when we went on that sexual assault call. And I went in there with her and she was really the the leading edge and the primary and I really relied on her. But I was so thankful that she didn't make me feel like a goomba. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not the way it's framed typically. Um, but no. we ha- I mean, I, I, don't, I know that I'll catch flack if, um, if I say, oh, we have different skills. But I think, you know, there's no other way. Like there are different people have different skills and different genders tend to lead to different skills. Mm-hmm. And so um, we complement each other, and, and totally. <laughs> so it's... I, I think that's exactly the right thing to say. I mean, with you don't, we're not making a sweeping generalization, but truly recognizing, you know, differences in gender tend to ha- have different strengths. It's a complement. It's not. It's not an opposing um, yeah. difference. It's yeah. a complement. And I the two together can work so well, right? When you put both of those together yeah for sure yeah you were talking about complement you know having complementary skill sets and we talk a lot in the fire department about different operations like cutting a hole in an adobe (laughs) wall with a k-12 or whatever or physical strength but we don't talk so much about the affective domain stuff or you know i i think that um we make differences in people's lives every day by allowing, you know, engendering trust or allowing patients to open up to us or waiting for a mobile crisis response team to arrive and doing a really personable handoff or whatever it is, being curious with patients. Um, so I think we, the, we're just, it, we're, the whole profession is changing. And, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I think that in the future, that'll be something that's just second nature, just like using a K-12. But I want to talk about this affective domain a little bit. We, Faith, you and I had talked about it um, a little bit last week, but this effective domain of um and i want to tie what you said about uh your testing too into this of of and diversity overall (laughs) really that's the topic but um more of like we test one's uh i guess cognitive level are you able to read right are you able to recall information are you able to follow a map when we do the civil service right are you able to do basic math so we test that we test one's physical ability um, through various formats of testing that are standardized, right? So we test that somebody can meet the standard physically um, and not just by doing like a CPAT or whatever, but also like, can you, um, are you afraid of heights and are you afraid of confined spaces and those types of things as well? So we test people in that way, but we don't really test for effective domain. Like, you can be amazing at all of those things and be really good, but you can also be an asshole too. Yeah, could you, could you imagine? Uh, could you imagine if we had a test that was as exclusive for? I think most fire department tests they start 
or most testing processes, they start with this huge group of people, and then who shows up to the written test is one cut, and then who passes the written test is another cut, and then who takes the physical test is another cut, and then who makes it to the interview or, or multiple interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But, and each of those maybe has a 50% drop rate, right? So they take the top 50% of each of those steps. But could you imagine if there were steps that were problem solving or critical thinking or communicating under pressure that, mm-hmm. that cut that many people out and what a different workforce we'd have right now? Anyway. And, and also that. it eliminates people who could be really good too, just because you can't complete it in four minutes, right? The physical agility, you can't finish it in four minutes, doesn't mean that you couldn't finish it in five and still be adequate and finish it in five and a half and still be adequate. And Shannon, you and I talked a little bit about the physical requirements to finish your academy and how challenging those are. And I just, I wanna hear from you, but I wanna preface this to be very clear to all those who are listening is that we are not advocating that the standards be different for male versus female. We advocate that they are the same standard, but we also need to take a look at the standard and see if we're setting up the female population to fail. So I want to be clear and just preface it at that, that we're not saying there should be a different standard because you're a female. No, the standard is the same, but is the standard really valid any longer? Well, and I really liked the fact that the standard was the same. You know what I mean? I think that especially going into a male-dominated industry Mm -hmm. where you are going to be... um, kind of a minority from the beginning it's nice to know that when you walk in you've done everything that all of those guys have done you know what i mean you literally have completed the exact same training with the exact same standards right um and i not just that you have something you know that you've proven yourself but that you have the innate confidence walking in absolutely knowing that you are on a level playing field right and you did everything they did and they did everything you did and there was you weren't given any kind of special treatment because you were a female absolutely yeah Yeah. but i do think that there's certain aspects of uh of like the test out process that that definitely made it i think harder for women to pass just based on you know our physical strength um and not all women right but for me um specifically like i it, I had a really hard time doing five pull-ups, which is uh, uh, you have to do that to get out, along with a bunch of other things. And I completely agreed with um, the combat challenge, with the CPAT, with the running mile and a half and all that other stuff. But that specifically, I couldn't necessarily see the benefit of like what in terms of my job am I going to have to do that requires me to do five pull-ups, which is more than the Marine Corps female limit like you have to do literally more pull-ups to get through our academy than in order to be a female in the marines and i just i don't i can see you know the the cpat and the combat challenge those are those are functional strengths you're gonna have to be able to Mm -hmm. pull somebody out you're gonna have to be able to breach Mm -hmm. a door you're gonna have to be able to lift a ladder you're gonna want aerobic capacity absolutely and with Mm -hmm. the running it's like cool Mm -hmm. that's you need all of those things i i absolutely agree with that but i just i think that in in terms of um you know upper body strength and most females have at least for me again I don't want to generalize but it was a really big hurdle that I had to overcome and there were people in my females in my academy that did not make it because they didn't meet that standard yeah we just mm. recently took out the it was called the 350 so it's like 10 pull-ups 
some, uh, you know, I think it was like 20 dips, 50 push-ups, 50, whatever it was, and it was 350 calisthenic exercises that uh, you had to finish to get off, well, to get out of the academy and then to get off the of probation. And the department was like, that's not translate. It's not... Um, I think Shannon said it like functional, yeah, yeah for the job's sta- sake. Again, I, I don't, I don't want a different standard for women than for men. Not at all. Right. I don't want, um, I don't want to just be like, oh well, you know. I, I mean, I do think that you do have to be physically strong. You do have to have good cardio. We have to be able to perform some really difficult tasks, and you need somebody who can, who can, you know, pull their own weight. I do also feel that sometimes, like, there'll be a lot of guys that will, that will talk shit about a, a female who maybe is smaller they're like oh well you know she she wouldn't be able to pull me out of a fire but they won't talk shit about the 350 pound overweight dude who literally can't walk up a set of stairs and i'm like if you're gonna talk shit about one then talk shit about the other right you know what i mean because the premise is the it's same it's the same because i'm like okay she might not be able to pull you out but he's not going to be able to pull you out and or if you he, can't pull right him out. and if he goes down he's gonna he's gonna cause all of us to put all of us in danger so again like I just feel like there's a lot more flack given in the fire service for the for f- females being smaller or not being as physically strong, but there's not the same flack given for dudes who are super overweight, uh, you know, who aren't physically fit. And I just I just think it's like okay, well, if you're gonna call one out, then you kind of need to like. It's so it's interesting too. They um I was talking to a woman who retired from our department. And she she actually became the chief of our department, and she was saying that she was frustrated because she would get called out all the time. Shit talked about her for being small. She's got a really small physique. Um, and then when it would come time for confined space, of course, she was the go-to person on any yeah, scene, right, right, to be pushed through a window. But also, if they were drilling at the training station on confined space, they would be like, well, for you, um, we're, we're going to have to add some extra padding in to make it even more confined. And she's like... Wait, they're like, well, we have to make it even, you so we're gonna have to like, like, yeah, we're gonna have to like put some um, <laughs> some blocks into the culvert to make it um, harder. And she's like, well, what? So I'm not given any. Oh my gosh, if I ask for any sort of assistance on the strength portion, that would be like no way, right? But if, <laughs> but when it comes to me and my natural ability, which happens to be confined space. It's like nope, nope, nope. It's too easy for you, so we got to make it harder. Yeah, because then it's not quote unquote realistic. Well, sure, maybe it's not realistic. I mean, it's just like I see. But. Yeah, we have a small female on our department who I think it that would be her superpower. Right. I'm sorry. I think a lot of guys would be like, "Let's go, you're up," and mm-hmm. she would lead the charge. Yeah, I was always, yeah. I mean, for me, any any time that there was something that really didn't, ha- that was physical but didn't have to do with, mm-hmm. like, being burly, essentially, I'd be like, yeah, yeah confined space, sure, claustrophobia, sure, uh, bre- like, breathing, lasting long on air, sure, That was, those yeah. were all things where I was like, yes, I can channel that and try so. to be as good as possible and all that. So we know that there's not a lot of female presence in our profession in general, and not just fire, but also in EMS, there's not I think there's probably more of a female presence in EMS in general than there is in fire. Um, and I know I, like like you ladies too, can probably relate to this, is I trained for a year to pass the physical agility. And I've had multiple fails at it. Um, and each fail was just so heartbreaking, you know? And, and then to be super close, I never understood I understood that there was a standard and there was um, a limit, right? They can't allow you 25 minutes to complete the CPAP. Like, that's just not fair, right? (laughs) But 
So there should be a limit, but why does the limit have to be what it is? And to get to work so hard for a year and to get so close, and I'm thinking maybe of people in your academy, Shannon, who were so close, but they didn't actually meet that limit. It's like, what's the point of the limit? And that's generally the question that I'm asking is like, why do these standards exist? There should be a standard, but why is the standard what it is? And are they archaic standards? Are these from 20 years ago? And maybe we haven't evolved along with the times. Mm -hmm. Or maybe just arbitrary, you know, arbitrary to some extent. Um. I, I know that we have we have a group of peer fitness trainers um, that I have been on. And there, there's always been attention paid to try and make every single um, physical requirement tied to a job performance requirement that's in the NFPA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you could say, oh, that's that's backed. And I think it is um, if it's tied to and it was really assessing that out where we got to the point where we were saying our pull ups, our muscle ups required in a, to, like does a firefighter need to be able to do ring muscle ups? Hmm can't think of a situation where that would apply. So what? where's the job performance requirement attached to that? Um, and so once you make that leap, that's I think that's positive, right? Where you can start to say there's some standardization, but you can, then you can also circle around to, are the job performance requirements in NFPA, are they reflective of what we do every day or what mm. we should be doing every day or the best ways that we can protect life safety? I, I don't know. I think that it's very possible that they're pretty archaic. It, yeah. And that would be pretty amazing if we um, got progressive with the pure fitness programs that are popping up I know everywhere, a lot of departments are really starting to utilize their peer fitness initiatives and uh, to improve the standards because a lot of departments also don't have a standard for maintaining fitness. Um, so that would also be an important thing an to reevaluate. An incumbent test. Mm -hmm. Do your departments have your annual stand fitness standards? Like, do you have to test annually X, Y, and Z fitness-wise? Um, we have a, we have to do the pack test every year. Uh -huh. And then we also have, um, we do, but it's not, uh, it's not required, but we'll do like a, um, we do kind of like a heart rate test. Um, and that's VO2 sort max. of, yeah, the VO2 max. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> um, yeah, the VO2 max. We do, we do thank the VO2. Thank you, PFT. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, we do the VO2. We, because of COVID, we haven't done it this year, but sure. every other year we did, we do VO2 max. But again, that's not, it's, I think it's more for us personally so that we can um, sort of see where we're at, but it's not required by the department and it's not like tied to any kind of like disciplinary action if right. you don't pass it. But, they say mandatory non-punitive in general right, exactly. for, for PFT programs. And I, I was psyched when we started doing the VO2 max too, because different types of people, it was mostly guys, but different types of people started getting respect than when it was just like, oh, who can deadlift a ton and who can drag Mongo mm -hmm. the longest? And it was like, oh, suddenly the bike messenger is the stud in the department. And suddenly, you know, I think they're supposed to be confidential, but everybody's sharing numbers and sure. everybody. So it's like, oh, suddenly like the 140 pound like hiker guy is the one that everybody's like, oh, that's impressive. <laughs> right? So even if it's not necessarily male, female or whatever, it's just appreciating different types of fitness. Yeah, yeah, Posi and positive and motivating overall. Yeah, and not just the like lifting the big burly. Well, but again, that's like we've talked about. Guys. There's different. There are different times when you need somebody who's going to just like knock down a wall. You need somebody who's going to be able. Like when I did depletion drills in our academy, I'd always be 
the last one right with air and mm-hmm. it's like but those are those are things that you know again well, it how valuable on what, is that that's absolutely. so ba- that's going to be super valuable on every structure fire that you go on period mm-hmm. but the sometimes end. you need like i don't have that much i mean i have some weight behind me but i don't have like that much weight behind me so sometimes yeah i need a i need a big dude who who has that weight uh-huh. for a specific task but then there are times when you don't need that you need something else and it's like why can't we all just see the value in the different tasks that we can perform well you know i remember in my academy i was thinking along that same line and we had a um what's it called when you pair up with somebody and try and get a bunch of things done like a relay whatever it's called and uh so i was like the biggest guy in the class he's gonna be my partner and we're perfect and i can last forever on air and do all the aerobic stuff and he can lift all the heavy things they're like all right everybody line up teams line up and i was with this huge guy and they're like all right the first event piggyback races oh, <laughs> I was uh, like I got him on my back and then they're like go and the first step I took I face plan uh, <laughs> I was just you it's not, not piggyback good. races <laughs> hopefully that's not in the standardization <laughs> testing <laughs> that's the thing of the past I do I do remember one day in yeah. the academy training in that way and I got matched up with uh, my dear friend who's much larger, well, than me now, actually, but we were pretty well matched back then. <laughs> um, and, um, he, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Oh, so I, can, we, I remember all the football. Okay, so we are getting near the end of our show. However, I want to keep going. Ooh, so okay. we're going to keep talking. Um, all of you that are listening, uh, stay tuned for the next episode to come because you're going to get more from the Girl on Girl podcast. Uh, it'll be like a part two or something like that. Um, so, but we'll keep talking. But for now, all of you that are listening, thank you so much for listening. I want to thank each of you ladies for being here today. It's been so fun so far, but I feel like we're in, we're, we're gaining some momentum and I don't want to stop. So I want to do, I want to talk a little bit longer. So everyone stay tuned and until next week, stay safe.